worship team, thank you so, so very much. Well, church, if you, if you will, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Uh, we will get there in a second. We are going to continue our look through the book of Philippians as, as, as Paul is addressing this church. And um, as we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, he's doing so in a spirit of uh, encouragement. There's, this church has been a lot to him and, and held a very special place in his heart. So we're going to look into Philippians chapter 2. I'll tell you one verse in a second. I'm going to say a statement, if you know it, I want you to finish it. This little light of mine. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. By chance, does anyone in here know the origins of that song? Anybody? Here's why. Because no one does. <laughs> we, we don't know exactly where that song originated. What we do know is that the phrase, this little light of mine, was first used by a poet, uh, in, a, in a poet, uh, form of poetry, by a gentleman by the name of Edward G. Irvin, and it was found in 1925. He used the phrase, this little light of mine. He was a, a writer in Montana. The first time that we know of the actual song being referenced, uh, from what I understand, was in 1930, uh, 1931. Uh, the song was referenced in a Los Angeles newspaper in regards to a church and a woman in the church and, and her singing that song. Then again in 1932, the song was referenced in a Missouri newspaper uh, in which a writer was documenting uh, a conference that took place with the African Methodist Episcopal, excuse me, Episcopal uh, Conference. And from that conference, the song was sung and it made its way into churches and and then in 1934, we have our actual first recording, known recording, of the song. And it was recorded in Texas in a penitentiary where some singers were singing inside of a, a penitentiary. 1934. But when you hear the words of the song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. From a gospel-centered perspective, that, that song finds its origin in Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, when he is speaking to his disciples in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says to his disciples first, and then those who are listening around, that you are the light of the world. Who takes a light or a lamp and lights it and puts it under the bowl? Well, no. You said it would give light to the whole house. Matthew chapter 5. Well, over the years, that song has been used in the civil rights movement, it's been sung in churches. Up in church, especially in children's ministry, you you are aware um, of that song. Verses have been added to and, and used in various contexts, depending upon who's actually singing it. But this morning, we are going to look at the idea of letting our light shine, and then we're going to look at some very practical ways that Paul uh, told the Philippians to do that. And we're also going to look at why it's important. So we're going to look at the command to let our light shine. We're going to look at practical, what that looks like in practical application, and then why it's so important. So if you will, join me in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 12. Verses 12 through 16. And here's what Paul writes. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your 
bring salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. So this morning as we go back to verse 12, we see that word, therefore. Let me just teach you something, Bible story, Bible study topic. If you ever see the word therefore in a passage, you better go back and look why it is therefore. Okay? Always look at what came before. So Paul is saying, therefore, right, in light of what we've just done, and in light of the fact that you have always obeyed, they see that word there, obey. Now, I, I'm abundantly aware that that word obedience or that word obey or the idea of, um, of, of following instruction, if you have, um, because of the nature of humanity, there are people who have used that word in, in a manipulative form. There are people that have used that word in a, an abusive form. Uh, there are people at times and places in which if you have a very negative experience, especially with a person um, in a position of authority, the word obey might strike a chord within you of discomfort and uncertainty. And I understand that. But this morning, when, when we look at that word obey, Paul is calling these people to obey. What he's saying is, I want you to take what you have very carefully listened to, what you have very carefully paid attention to, and now I want you to do it. I want you to act upon that instruction that you've already learned. And if you look back at the section of Scripture just before this, that Pastor John dealt with last week, what we see is the instruction or the direction that Paul is giving to the church of Philippi, in which he says, take on the attitude of Christ. And what was the attitude of Christ? It was humility. That Christ, who, who was seated in heaven above with, with God Almighty, who was, who was in the presence of God. If you go back and look at uh, the creation account, and then we compare that with Colossians, we, we find out that, that Jesus was the one actually doing what God was declaring. Let there be light, and Jesus made it happen. He was the, he was the force behind the creation account. And so... Jesus, the one who was with God in the beginnings, as John, the Gospel of John tells us. Now, who, who was he? He left the glory and the throne of heaven, where he was praised and exalted as God Almighty. He left everything that was good, and he subjected himself and humbled himself in which he came to earth. And why did he do that? He was obedient even up to death, death on the cross. Why did he die on that cross? He died on that cross sacrificially. So then the John 3.16 points out that, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Why did Jesus leave the glory of heaven and come to this earth and, and get involved with the wretchedness of this world? He did it for us. He did it for those who call upon his name for salvation. Jesus left everything that was perfect so that you and I could have an opportunity to enter into the presence of God because of his death. And, and because of the actions of Jesus, he 
because the passage goes on to say that he was exalted to the highest heavens, that he, that he is the name in which every knee will bow, either willingly or forcefully, and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And as I tell our youth, that means he's the boss, means he's in charge, means he calls the shots. So they were just instructed in this very beautiful picture of Jesus and his humility. They were called to adopt that humility. So Paul says, just as you, just as you have obeyed when I was there with you and we were sitting around a table and we were instructing each other in the word of God and we were, we were enjoying fellowship together and you were being molded like Christ and you were obedient unto him and his word, and do it again. How do you do it? What is the call here? That you are to be obedient to work out your salvation. Now, we got to deal with that for a second because what what Paul is saying here is not that somehow you can work hard enough, you can strive hard enough, you can accomplish enough tasks or climb high enough on the ladder that somehow God owes you salvation. Paul's not saying that you need to work out your spiritual muscles so that you can have endurance to run long enough or lift enough spiritual weight so that you can then hit the bell, if you will, of success in which God will give you salvation. We know from Ephesians chapter 2 that salvation is a gift. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Salvation is from God. It is a gift from God. It is the grace of God. And it is given to us so that no person can boast. It's not us. It's not about us. Because notice as it says, work out your salvation for it is God who works within you. The idea of working out your salvation is like the idea of this little light on. Can we put it under a bush? A bushel? A bowl? Oh no. I'm going to let it shine. It's the idea that if God is at work within you, Notice that Paul is talking to the church. He's talking to people who have submitted themselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ, who, who have followed the call and understand that in and of themselves they are a wretched mess and they can never pay the penalty for their sin. And so they have surrendered to the, the death of Christ on the cross and they are following him. If, if you have submitted to the, the leadership and the lordship of Christ, it is God who is working in you to mold you and shape you and to, to fix you and to, to heal you and to make you live more life in It's not you. Okay? So the idea of when he says work out your salvation, I want you to think of like that light trying to work its way outside of you. That, that's what Paul is telling them. Let it out. God is working in you. You are the clay in his hands, and he is molding you, and he is shaping you, and, and he is making you look something completely different than what you were before him. He's at work in you. He's doing something. When he does something in you, let it out. Let it out. That's what Paul's telling you. Specifically, of course, the, the context here is that apparently there was some form of disunity going on. And so Paul instructs them to be humble. He instructs them to... Uh, seek out the interest of others over and above themselves. God is doing that work because, as you know, we are not naturally selfless people, right? We are private people. We seek after what we want and how we want to do things. And, and Paul is saying, it is God who's working within you. He's making you something different. He is producing in you characteristics that do 
not line up with who you were before him. Let those things out. Let them out. And when you do, you do it with fear and trembling. You do it with the heavy dose of respect of who's at work with you, and that is God Almighty. That is the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who holds all things together, the one who even right now holds your very breath in his hand. That is the one who we are to fear and we are to respect. Not fear in the sense of we are afraid of his punishment, but fear in the sense that he is so much more powerful than we can ever imagine. And so we stand in awe of him. He is the one, the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, is the one who is at work in the hearts and minds of his people. And he's molding and shaping to be who he wants you to be, not who you want to be, who he wants you to be. Let it out. That's what Paul's telling you. This humility that, that doesn't line up with exactly who you are, he's saying, let it out. Display it with a heavy dose of respect of who's working in you, God. So let your body shine. Let it out. And notice that in verse 14, he gives them some very specific instructions. Now remember, apparently, according to the context, there was some, there was some um, disunity that was going on here. And so Paul says in their specific context, he says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. All things without grumbling or disputing. I want you to think of the word grumbling uh, like murmur. You know, we sit around and we're willing to talk about the problem, but we're not going to really want to be part of the solution, which we'll talk about. Notice the word disputing. There's nothing wrong with disagreeing, but when it comes to an argument, that's where we cross the line. So this particular church needs to be instructed that they needed to do all things. Remember, if God is working within us, then there's a sense in which God is leading us, and when he leads us to something, even if it's a challenge, if he has brought it before us, it is being used to mold us and shape us. So if we're disputing or arguing about the thing, who are we really arguing with? God. God, you know what you're doing. Why'd you do this? What's going on? Think of it this way. If, if there truly are problems or situations that we need to deal with, then we deal with them. Okay? We, we, we are all humans. We all have faults and failures. This church will have faults and failures. This passage is not meant to say that if a problem or a situation arises that needs to be addressed, we just sweep it under the rug and deal with it. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that when the situation and the problems arise, let's productively move forward to do something about them. Not just grumble about them, murmur about them, talk about them, but not be willing to lift a finger to do something about and if there is a disagreement, that's fine. We can disagree, and, and we can have a uh, healthy conversation. But if we cross the line into arguing, we are then degrading one another, not lifting up. You see the difference? It's okay to deal with hard things. And it's okay to talk about things. It is not okay to sit back and not be part of the solution to the problem. And again, if God is going to get us that, and we truly believe that he is leading us and guiding us and directing us uh, individually as, a, as a, individual people and as a church as a whole. That the things and the hard things that he brings us to, he brings us to them because it is him who is working in us and through us to bring about his good will and his good pleasure. 
Again, are we going to walk through some hard things as a church? Yeah. We have walked through hard things as a church. And we will continue. But we can do them in a way that is not grumbling or divisive or arguing. But notice why that's important. Verse 15. That you may be blameless and innocent. Those are two words that mean you may be morally pure. You, you may be I'll just touch the chase that you can be a representative of God's pure character. Now, we, we know that if each of us were to do some analysis on our own lives, and if these individuals were to do some analysis on their own lives, they would realize that there are areas and there are places where we do not submit to the leadership of God as though we should. Therefore, God is working on us. It's a process that we call sanctification. And it's a process that will never end until the day that you die. And you step forward into the kingdom of God if you have surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ. Then you will experience what it is to be in perfect peace with God. But in the meantime, right, each of us have things that are on our hearts and in our minds. And some of those things we have brought upon ourselves and we have to deal with. Some of them have been brought upon us by other people, but we have to deal with them. And, and why are we dealing with these things? So that we can become blameless and innocent, morally like Christ, as we live in a wicked and depraved generation. Now, church, I think John MacArthur says the, the best when it comes to, to this particular verse. He talks about how today we like to say, that, uh, man, we live in the most wicked time that there is. I think things have never been worse. I don't think that's true. If we go back and look at the atrocities of the Roman Empire and even beyond that, the only thing that's changed is that we have worldwide communication we hear about. That's the difference. Generations have always been corrupt. As Ecclesiastes says, there is nothing more than the sun. Right? We're not special just because we live in 2022. Wickedness has always existed. But for an individual who has come under the saving grace of Jesus Christ, you are the complete opposite of that. You shine like a star, as some versions say. You shine as a light in the midst of this wicked and depraved generation. Your light? No. God's light that he is working within you. So here we have the command and the call. To be, to, to let what God is doing come out. Specifically, this church needed to work on their grumbling and their disputing. Notice that Paul is telling them they need to eliminate something so that they can then move on to become a better representative of the unity and the humility of Christ as they moved and worked in a generation that needed to see a witness to God. Now, we may be sitting here in 2022, and it very may, well may be that if God is at work within you, he is calling you to stop grumbling or complaining. Maybe that's what God is leading you. Maybe God is leading you to remove something from your life, whether it be um, some sort of provocative issue. Maybe it's profanity. Maybe it's, I don't know, anything. Whatever God is leading you to, every single one of us should have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God is trying to remove something from us that does not honor and glory to him. Think of it as, um, think of it as someone who is whittling away a stick. 
pieces that don't belong. Why are you doing that? So that you're left with this beautiful image when you're done. That's what God's trying to do. But also, again, Paul talks to these people in the negative they need to stop doing something. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and God's not calling you to stop doing something. Maybe God is calling you to start doing something. And maybe God is calling you to a place where there is someone in your life that you need to interact with. There is someone in your life that you need to befriend, maybe in the workplace, or maybe you need to extend grace to. Maybe someone where you need to extend forgiveness. Maybe God is calling you to step out and do something. And that something may be outside of your comfort zone. It may be outside of who you think you are. But guess what? It is God who is working within you to change you into something that represents Him, not you. So maybe you find yourself in this and you need to, whatever God's doing in your heart, you need to surrender and let go of. But maybe whatever God's doing in your heart, you need to surrender and start doing. Maybe it's in the positive sense. Start doing something. And, and why does God do that in us? Why does He build and shape and cut and, and pull things away so that we can be blameless and pure before Him? Here's the cool part there is not a person in here that is exempt from this call. Oh, we can think more highly of ourselves than we should, but if we go back and read the first part that Pastor John dealt with last week, we all need to adopt an attitude of humility, right? Just because I struggle in one area doesn't mean I'm any better or any worse than anybody else who struggles in a different area, right? Rather, God is working in all of us who have surrendered to Him through Jesus Christ to bring us together to make us a unified body that, that shines. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Maybe we should say something along the lines of this. This little light of the Holy God, I'm going to let it shine. Or this little light of my Savior Jesus, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let Him work in me. And sometimes it's going to be painful, and sometimes it's going to be hard, and sometimes I'm not going to want to do it, and I'm not going to go through it. But just like Jesus, Let's let it shine. 
Church of Calvary Baptist Church, the people that meet at 206 Locust Street. Man, we have been the light of Christ this summer. Whether it's been packing backpacks or doing UBSs or doing backer Bible Club or going to the zoo. And by the way, just let me tell you, when we took 16 of us went to Buffalo Wild Wings as a youth group, I could not be more proud of their behavior. They were so good. Not a single problem. Well, until they tried to eat the spicy food. Um, we paid that out of the way all. But let me tell you, they did such a good job representing the peace and the love and the respect that is found in Jesus Christ. Church, as a whole, we have done a fabulous job this summer. But individually, we also have to submit to the leadership of Christ. Individually, we have to say, let the light of God shine in me. Right? When I leave this place this morning where it's easy to act like Jesus, and I go to that place, maybe this afternoon or tomorrow, where it's not so easy. Maybe it's your workplace, maybe it's your family, maybe it's you think you fill it in. This little light of his. Let's let it shine. Let's go to order. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for just the simplicity of your word and the simplicity of the truth that, God, you were alive and you were well and you were working within all of those who have submitted to you through Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would do the work in the hearts of each of us. God, where we need to individually let go and quit holding on to the things that you were trying to take away from us so that we can represent you more. God, I pray this morning that your spirit would do the work of just letting us let go. And God, where it is that you are working and which you are leading us to step out of faith and to trust you, God, I pray that you would do so. As scary as it may seem, Father, let our lives individually reflect you. And God, I do pray that if there's anyone here this morning, whether listening online or Watching here in this morning, God, I pray that if someone doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, that God, you would do the work of drawing them to yourself, allowing them to see that you are a good and gracious God who offers healing, who offers forgiveness, who offers grace. And that God, those who call out to you even now for forgiveness of sin and to trust you as Lord and Savior. Enter into this, this final song that God, you would just allow us to worship freely and openly while God, you do the work in each of our hearts. And we pray all of this in Christ's name.